the four biggest retirement myths that we need to talk about. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. I didn't win the mega million, so here we are today. I, 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 uh, I had a ticket, but uh, welcome to the focus group. It's uh, Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. It's August 2nd already, and uh, we are the focus group. Learn all about us at focusgroupradio.com. While you're there, you'll also find our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which is released on Tuesdays, and you'll find all of our media housed there to download for free, take with you, particularly in audio form, which we know a lot of you do, and you time shift. Uh, the audio is released on Saturday. And uh, you'll also find our sponsors there, including Deep Discount, so be sure to click on them and start shopping away and own your passion while you're over there as well. So how are you, Mr. Nash? I'm good. And as you uh, mentioned, August 2nd, it has me remembering uh, childhood vacations to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which was a drive. My was it hot? Parents, yeah, well, yes, but, you know, it was Outer Banks. There's always a breeze off the sea. You're at the ocean. And we had a house that was, like, right across from the beach. It was like a cat shack. I used to sleep on the couch. My sisters had the other bedroom, and my parents had one room. But, you know, I was thinking about this, and I remember on the drives down to North Carolina, we would pass tons of farm stands, mm-hmm. fresh corn, watermelon, you tomatoes, know, you, you could pick yeah. everything you, yeah, tomatoes, peaches, you could pick anything up you wanted. And they were usually small farms or little stands. And I don't see a lot of that anymore. Do you, do you have that a lot in Delaware? We do have, it's, it's, Delaware still has a lot of agriculture, and uh, there, are, there is some of that, um, certainly not as many as even five years ago. Um, as a lot of farmland has been sold, and uh, we talked about this with even in cities with, uh, you know, as generations don't want to come back and run dad's or mom's butcher shop or farms, grocery shop yeah. or the farms, well, the land gets sold. But uh, no, I love it. I love a tomato in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. You can buy tomatoes because the winter ones that are coming out of a greenhouse in Chile or Mexico or something aren't the same. Yeah, like we, we, well, Bob's growing them in the garden and uh, we're, the crop is going to be ready very soon and it's the best time, especially wow. with fresh mozzarella, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing I see a l- more of upstate is, um, and this is a surprise to me, people who sell native honey. Yeah. And I know that uh, a lot of people claim that if you if you use honey from the area you live in, Right. It helps with your allergies because the I guess it's the the pollinators, the bees are in that area. But I it made me wonder, like if I see honey everywhere, like how many people have beehives? <laughs> well, you you know, that's a good I think it was Hillary Clinton who used to travel and say she the first thing she would do is she would get yogurt, local yogurt. Yeah. For that same reason, because she felt she it would acclimate her or her body would be acclimated to whatever she was going to be eating or or encountering on her trips. But yes, I've heard that about honey, to buy honey that's local because it would have, it would help you maybe with allergies or whatever, you know, what ails you, I suppose. I bought some local honey here. It was interesting. It tasted almost like lavender or something. And I guess it must have been near a lavender farm. There's big lavender fields down here. And uh, it was quite good. But you know, I don't go through a lot of honey. We do not either. No. So I had the jar. It's probably four years old. I don't think honey goes bad, but it starts to crust up with the, with the sugar. <laughs> Which in my book is bad. <laughs> yeah. So could you could you eat yogurt? That's a you know would would you eat yogurt? That's uh, say the expiration was what's today August July second. 
I'd eat it. And it's August. Yeah. yeah. It's not if it was an open, refrigerator. I think it's okay. Time, I'd yeah. eat it. Yeah. I think so too. Richard and I had this argument. He throws anything away. He'll throw things mm-hmm. away before it's due, thinking it's gonna and be you, bad. You and he thinks I that's the, he thinks that's the bad date. No, that's the suggested use by date, right? Yeah. He thinks that's it's gone bad date. So it's yeah. you know, if you're even close yeah. to it, it goes in the trash. Didn't we once have a conversation about this with Jeff Yeager years ago? Oh yeah. Well, that's how he shops. Now he's a little bit over overkill, <laughs> I think. By the way, he Maybe posted he posted an interesting thing. You know, he's traveling in Europe right now. And he went to rent a car. And they because they're talking about particularly what's happened in this last week with or yeah, the previous week with Mitch McConnell forgetting at the at the podium or Diane Feinstein getting confused in the congressional uh, vote judicial committee. He went to rent a car, and he said some rent a car places now are not allowing. You, if you're 65 or older, you can't rent a car. Really? Yeah. And he said he was, you know, he was a little scared because he thought, "Gosh, I'm close." And uh, th- so then he started looking. He posted this on Facebook, and then he st- I was going to use it as a caught my eye, but it's funny you bring him up. But um, he th- he then started looking all around Europe and in the United States as to when. Um, they will stop you from renting cars. A lot of places, it's seventy seventy five. I I didn't pay attention to that. I guess if you were traveling, you need to know that though. I would never have thought of it. Never. No. So what would you have done if you'd gone somewhere? Say you're both sixty five. You're retired, and you go to somewhere in Europe, and you thought you were going to rent a car and drive around. They're like, mm, no. What do you do? Okay, so here's the little ripple to that. Like, wouldn't you have tried to rent it prior to landing in the country that you're your destination? I would, you would guess make a so. reservation, and but it's the world's largest, to... it's the world's biggest cheapskate. So we probably figured you're going to get a deal last minute. Uh, okay, because because normally <laughs> if you do it over, like when I had the the last time I rented a car in Europe was in France several years ago. Oh. Obviously, it was a manual transmission because in order to get an automatic car in Europe, you have to overpay, right? But I had to enter my um all the all the license information, including yeah. age prior to me even arriving so it was all set up i had the car ready we we just took off so yeah that you might be right it was maybe he was looking for a deal yeah <laughs> and he would have found out the other way around right and i remember going to his house once and he he was very much the you know he would talk about how he would go buy the fish that was you know day whatever the ex- expiration was but use fish heads and make soup or something we'd gone to his house i didn't know he was such a cheapskate this is before he was yet another career head of a nonprofit. And I remember I thought it was odd. He, he had done a cookout, and a bunch of us were down there from Subaru, but all wide assortment of rolls. Like, I couldn't figure out, you know, if you Day went to someone's bread. house and you had hamburger rolls and hot dog rolls, these were hamburger and hot dog rolls, but obviously all from somewhere different. Two of these, three of these, one of these. Now I know why. <laughs> he was probably getting a deal here and there on them. But I thought, God, this is an odd assortment of, of rolls. So, yeah. When we had him on a couple times, he would talk about how he would travel and basically couch surf on other yeah. cheapskates. But not for me. <laughs> I, if I were traveling, I, I you know, I, you and I, well, look, we just used to do our cross-country road trips. At the end of the day, I don't want to be on someone's couch. I want to be in a no. quiet room, right? You want a nice warm shower, hot shower, mm-hmm. or whatever, and relax and just unwind. No, I'm with you. I, I can't imagine going. <laughs> no, I can't, can't imagine doing that. But yeah, there you go. So, uh, Mr. Nash, without further ado, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Inevitably, another story that caught my eye is about tipping, 
Uh-oh. And you and I have talked about this a number of times on a couple of shows the past few months. Uh, it seems to be endemic now that anywhere you go, whether you're picking up a sh- pair of shoelaces yeah. or a donut. <laughs> probably have a tip of the dry cleaner now. Exactly. So apparently Gen Z is really rejecting this, everything they've been taught about tipping. Um, and the reasons are multi, they're multi, you know, it's like inflation, it's a bunch of other things. But at the end of the day, the Gen Z is like, wait a minute, why don't you just pay your employees more money instead of like swinging the iPad around every time, you know, a sale happens. And right. they focused mostly on coffee and restaurants. And so when they talked to the Gen Z crowd, they were like, okay, well, if I'm sitting down and having dinner at a restaurant and it ti- it's time to tip, they really feel that 20% after the meal is a little bit high. And they might they might err on the side of like 15% or something like that. When they go to a barista for a coffee, like a Starbucks or something, and they swing the iPad around, they are often just ignoring it or paying as little as they possibly can. And there was a woman in this article who was like a tipping expert. And she claims that if you're ordering a simple black cup of coffee, no tip. But the minute someone has to do something complex for your coffee, you should tip them. And then she said, of course, for dinners, it should be 20%. Now, all of us know, if you've been out to dinner lately, all the prices are higher. So when Mm -hmm. it comes time to tipping on a bill, 20% actually ends up being like the cost of another entree (laughs) or something like that, right? So um, the article concluded by saying that um, this is going to have a forward downward trend on tipping or a downward pressure on tipping because as this generation ages into the workplace and we're and you know becomes more prevalent it's going to disrupt the whole thing it even they even talked about things like um how much do you tip your barber how much do you tip your hairstylist and then of course you you've noticed this before uh a lot of the people interviewed for the article a lot of the gen z's we're like, why is it that when they spin the iPad around, the first and the smallest amount on the tipping thing is like 20%, and then it right. goes 25 or 30 or something like that? So it's kind of wacky. No, I think it's absurd. I, we had done takeout the other night. It was the same thing again, and Richard and I got in an argument about it because I said, I really feel like leaving nothing. Oh, you have to leave something. And uh, I, I said, I'm not being waited on. They're, they're putting it in a bag, and I'm coming to pick it up. They're not delivering it to the house. Um. So I, I, I get aggravated by the whole thing. I was reading something else about Gen Z, which surprised me because you and I had done work with or doing work with a company yeah. that um, there's lots of discussion around Gen Z as this new generation coming up and about how they're far more diverse and far more open and so forth and so on, maybe uh, more LGBTQ accepting. But the one thing that I was shocked about, they said they're far more conservative. Yes. Um, than previous generations, which I was surprised about. I don't know if you've read the same thing. I mean, I've seen that pop up a couple of times, but then it seems to be counterweighted by the political side, which is yeah. they're far more prevalent. They're far more likely to vote Democrat than Republican. And, and But, you know, when we use the term conservative, are you talking about politics or just conservative about certain things? Well, I, I guess probably both because they were talking about how it, how important it was going to be to get the younger generation to vote and partake. Right. And they said that they'd done some studies with in, in high schools and colleges and asking kids or asking Gen Z um, some questions. I think Gen Z is anyone born after 96, 1996. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And they said they found that um, while they may be more open-minded, that they, they were surprised at to how conservative they were financially, fiscally, those sort of things, but also socially. Mm-hmm. They said that um, they were surprised that they were socially very conservative too. And, uh, but we, we, a lot of what we read was, oh, they're far more accepting of trans and gay and this and that. But um, they said maybe not, not so quick. So that, I, I guess stay tuned. Um, <laughs> Tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Figure out, um, figure out where the generation lands. Cause I don't know. We, we've been lost. We were considered baby boomers, but we're certainly, you know, our parents are also baby boomers. So we, that's why somebody came We're up. Somewhere between you and I always talk about this. Well, someone like came up with generation. Two. Yeah, someone came up with generation Jones. In other yeah, words, like we one. we grew up with Rolling Stones. The baby boomers were more Beatles. Yeah. Um. So it and uh, we had Brady Bunch. We weren't as uh, affected by the Vietnam War um, as as a lot of the baby boomers were. We were too young to be drafted, but a lot of the mm-hmm. so yeah. So it's um we're in an odd generation, but. Uh, so we'll see where Gen Z, Gen Z uh, falls out here. My um, my story. I, I thought it was fake, and then oh, I looked. No. I looked at your story. Have you seen it this? Ain't fake. Yeah, so when I looked it. at a number of different places, and it's all over the place. I did not watch the show. So the show did air apparently on July nineteenth. I've got to got to go back and time shift it. But the headline is: the guy who had sex with his car on TLC's My Strange Addiction is back, and he has a new lover. So there's a show called My Strange Addiction on TLC. Did you ever watch it? Yes, we have. Where people will eat a roll of toilet paper or they're, they're obsessed with dirt and they'll go out in the yard and eat dirt. The one we saw, somebody had an, a, uh, a love affair with a, an amusement park ride. Oh boy. It might have been a Ferris wheel or something. It was a bit bizarre, but anyway. <laughs> so they said that, so this was back, this uh, one episode aired in 2015. They said that, uh, they said, um, Strange Addiction went off the air in 2015, but if you, but we've recently been blessed with an update on Nathaniel. If you don't remember, he was the guy who was in love with and had sex with, and they said screwing, you know, with the F word, with his 1998 Chevy Monte Carlo named Chase. And the, the writer says, God bless you, TLC. They said, now Nathaniel's back, but he's got a new lover. Uh, it's a fourth-generation Lexus ES330 named Lex. Now, they said, interestingly, Lex is a female. Previously, he was in love with a male, uh, the Chevy Monte Carlo, the 98. So they said, in a video posted to TikTok by TLC, we get to hear from Nathaniel directly about why he loves Lex so much. He says he really loves the feel of her, the smoothness of her driving, the feel of her seats, stuff like that. He said uh, he also wants to pay attention, or he pays attention to her curves. And he's very dedicated to her. He just wants to be with her as much as he can. And so they've got some video of it. They said it was going to air on July 19th, as I said this, uh, this past couple of weeks ago. They said, unlike the last car he had, um, he really is very um, taken by her lights. Because he... <laughs> I mean, I can't even read this. <laughs> it says, the Lexus also has a cute butt. And uh, so they... so. You know, he goes on and on. They said, so unfortunately, they said the, the TikTok video is only a minute and 20 seconds long. So please do tune in to, uh, to TLC. They said uh, the fact that this uh, guy has been found again, they said it's just uh, crazy. And uh, they said somebody, one of the listeners asked if he was still screwing his car. And they said he screwed the tailpipe, but you had to wait for it to cool down. <laughs> 
So they said... Uh, you can't make it up. No, he said he finished with, I can't imagine life without her, he said unabashedly. Uh, and uh, so stay tuned and watch uh, watch TLC. I guess it's on demand. You can watch it on demand if you have that service. <laughs> and see these strange addictions. But I remember you and I had done a tour of the Jelly Belly Factory. Remember that? Yes, I do. And they talked about how there was somebody on that show who actually had an addiction to eating dirt. Yep. And the family can So they made a dirt-flavored jelly bean. Jelly bean. And um, they had them there, and uh, at the at the Jelly Belly Factory in California when you and I were there. But I've got I've never watched this show, but I went and I looked, and this was in the Washington Post. It was oh, yeah. in yeah. People Magazine. It was all over the place. So I thought, well, okay. So I, you I know, can't. I I, 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 I just I two two things strike me about this. Do you want to be associated with loving an automobile, like literally, like you know, physically? interacting with the car in that way and second i mean it's it's out there forever right so <laughs> no matter what he does he's going to be associated as loving these cars like like they were people I, yeah and, and when you mentioned the ferris somebody was in with an amusement park right i mean yeah, what, are you, that was what weird. are you loving yeah. about it i don't know, I don't know. I, have you ever looked at anything and been in love with it no like your, <laughs> your bicycle no <laughs> no not like this. Your Not like waiting for the tailpipe to cool down to have a chair right? or something. I, yeah. yeah no. I, <laughs> so, well, and I wonder if he has dates. That's what you always wonder about these people. Somebody well, said this. So one of, the, one of the respondents in there, or somebody responded and said, you know, we're dying to know what happened to the, to the Monte Carlo. What happened? Yeah. Would she, yeah. Was she in a wreck? Was he in a wreck? I mean, what, <laughs> why did, why did you leave Chase? How would a date even work, by the way? Like, let's say you're on a date and you're in the car that you love, and who are you going to pay attention to? The person in the front seat or the guy? I don't know. Feel the seats. All oh, the seats feel great. Oh, I love you. Curves. I don't know. <laughs> when you sent this over, I just thought, oh, it's this one again. I mean, yeah, I just yeah. laughed. So, yeah, so that was that. So, uh, Mr. Nash, as we move right along here, what do we have next? We have our business birthday, right? We have a bit. Only show in the universe, Tim. Okay. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So born today on August 2nd, 1960, was Todd R. Wagner. So uh, happy 63rd. He's an American entrepreneur, co-founder of Broadcast.com and founder and CEO of a company called Charity Network, which organizes regular fundraisings. He also co-owns 2929 Entertainment with Mark Cuban which, as far as I could gather, is almost like an uh, aggregator of, uh, of entertainment and content. Holding company? Yeah, in other words, they would take, um, uh, if, if there was a movie to be distributed, they would then figure out how they were, you know, you would aggregate it over all the different media, how you would market it, and, and so forth. I don't know Todd Wagner. Um, I've never heard <laughs> of him. did I. <laughs> and so when this, it popped up as a birthday, uh, it was, you could tell it was a slow day. Um, so I thought, well, I'll read a little bit about him and see what I could find. So he was born in Gary, Indiana. Uh, he graduated from Indiana University. He also got a law degree from, uh, University of Virginia, moved to Texas where he became a licensed CPA in the state of Texas. Somehow meets Mark Cuban. We all know Mark Cuban, Shark Tank and owner of the Mavericks. And didn't he, he had a company where he, didn't he sell something with Dell computers and made all kinds of billions? So he, um, yeah, not him, not uh, Dell. I don't think it was uh, Dell, but go, no. it might have been so, Gateway or something. But yeah, Gateway, okay. 
So they said in 1995, he launched AudioNet with Mark Cuban, which was a platform for broadcasting live sporting events and uh, over radio stations over the internet. Now, sounds now kind of a well, no-brainer, right? But I guess in 1995, this was a big deal. So he was a CEO of that company, and it grew and expanded, and then they included corporate events. So in 1998, Wagner and Cuban changed the name of AudioNet to Broadcast.com, took the company public in the midst of the dot-com boom, and uh, they ended up making billions of dollars and uh, sold to Yahoo for $5.7 billion in 1999. So in one year, they sold Broadcast.com to Yahoo for $5.7 billion. Said it made 300 employees millionaires. Wow. Wow. Where were we? We weren't there. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, have you heard of Broadcast.com? Never. No. And just to, before you go on, Mark Cuban, um, his computer company was uh, Micro Solutions, it was called. Okay. It was a consulting firm, which he sold to CompuServe for $6 million in 1990. He was based in Dallas. Okay, I don't know why I think, where Dell came in. I don't know why I kept thinking Dell. Michael else. Dell, I mean, is the founder and owner there. But Yeah, okay. The, um, so, in two th- so Wagner stayed on to do some consulting. It became uh, Yahoo Broadcast was the name of the new company. Mm. He declined an offer from Yahoo to stay on, just said he wanted to do some other work. So he and Cuban um, went and uh, created 29, 29 productions. Two of the films they were associated with received Oscar nominations, Good Night and Good Luck. And Enron, the smartest guys in the room. I've not seen ah, either of those. Have you? Okay, yeah. Second Enron, I saw. <laughs> what was that? A documentary sort of thing, like the 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 Apple or the Facebook movie, or what was? Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was based on historical fact, but they obviously took a little leeway because it was a story. But it was, yeah. You remember you remember Enron when that happened? Oh right? yeah, no, I remember that. So uh, Wagner and and uh, Cuban also have a stake in the Dallas Mavericks. And they are now just using their money to invest in uh, nurture startups. They did something with um, called Content LLC, which invests in back-end participation of Hollywood talent. So I went and looked this up to see what the deal was. They have three or four of these. Uh, chari- they're under a company called Charity Buzz. But Prizio and, and Ch- I'll say it wrong, Chidio, Chidio, C-H-I-D-E-O. So you go there, it's interesting. So the first thing that popped up when I went there, they were raising money for cancer awareness. And you can buy a ticket for as little as $10, and you could win an evening or an experience with Duran Duran or another charity you could have lunch with George Clooney. So they take all of these movie stars or celebrity and uh, help raise money for charities. And based upon, they, they list on the side how many tickets are being sold in each category. So if you spent $1,000, you get 1,000 chances entered into this thing to, uh, to either have uh, you know, one of these VIP sort of events or travel to Europe with you know, a band or something. It, I, it, I went to the site, Tim, and it's, it's you as Prizio, you say. P-R-P-R-I-Z-E-O. I went Prizio. to Charity Buzz, actually. Okay. Okay. Is that the same thing? Yeah, well, they're all under umbrella. So they have three of these that they've started. And uh, Fast Company had said it was, they named them in 2017 the most innovative company uh, of 2017. But I thought it was an interesting way to raise money because you could have a, you're probably there, so you could see some of the, some it's of very the, interesting, uh, actually. Yeah. So, so it some does of it's like a four night stay with, at someone's place. Oh, here's yeah. one for you, Tim a three hour private golf lesson with Tim Mahoney. <laughs> 
<laughs> Scottsdale, Stop. Arizona. There must be a Tim Mahoney golf Golfer. pro. The Tim Mahoney we know was uh, CMO. CMO that we've worked with. Um, yeah, there's a whole uh, Emmett Smith signed helmet. Four night stay with four rounds of golf at Legends Golf Resort in Myrtle Beach. You know, then and then you can hang with celebrities or have certain paraphernalia. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, the one at Prizio is win a VIP experience with Duran Duran. Have dinner with George Clooney. That supports the Clooney Foundation for Justice. Win a trip to L.A. and uh, have dinner. This is uh, support for Haiti. That's probably gone off the rails now. But um, so this is win a dinner with Rain Wilson, Steve Carell, and Angela Kinsley of the Office. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so. It, I don't know. I thought this was kind of interesting. And then you can, do, when you click on it, John, you can see how inexpensive, quote unquote, it is. Now, God only knows what your chances are, but I thought I might do one of these just to see. I don't know. Win a VIP experience at the, at the Stanley Cup. You know. So, so that's what they're doing now. But of course, when you got 5.6 billion. Yeah. Where is the win a night with the B-52s at their residency, right? <laughs> well, you got to do that. that. And it should be money for, you know, Lambda Legal or something. Maybe we should contact yeah. them and say, you and I could be, you know, maybe we can broker this. Broker the deal. Or when you could win a night with Tim and John. <laughs> Staten <laughs> Island Ferry. cost a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to do that our own cruise? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's our business birthday. 63 years old. You know, multi-billionaire. And, quiet uh, money, I call it. Quiet too. money. And, you know, the thing about people like this, which I find interesting. He could walk around the street. Nobody knows who he is, right? And Anonymity. He, which versus someone who's like a Madonna, right? Or a Cher mm -hmm. or somebody who can't even go out to go get a you know, pack of gum. But, uh, you know, someone like this uh, with seven, eight billion dollars can just kind of, kind of wander around. I have around. no idea, right? Yeah. So happy birthday, Tom Wagner. So that's our business birthday. We have a, a shop talk today that John found, which. Um, I thought it was interesting. I'll read the, uh, the headline to you. 68-year-old unretired shares the four biggest retirement myths more people need to talk about. So did, did this come from Inc. Magazine or Fort? Um, uh, I forget where this I came from. It came from Fortune. Fortune, okay. And or, so, I'm sorry, it came from um, Make It on CNBC. Make, oh, that's right, CNBC. Okay, so, there's, um, so they talk about, we talked about Gen Z earlier. Millennials and Gen Z have come of age in an era marked by sweeping change. So their milestones, especially when it comes to retirement, will look different than older generations did. Life early turns out exactly how we expect. In my early 50s, this is the author, uh, George Jerrion, saying, in my early 50s, I was forced to retire early after a near-death experience to take care of my health. At 62, after feeling bored, restless, and stuck, I unretired and started a coaching company to help people achieve a more fulfilling retirement than I did. Here are four myths about retirement that people need to talk about. So what was the first one there, Mr. Nash? Myth number one, and I think we all would agree with this, life follows a linear path, which is a myth. Uh, many baby boomers believe that life has three major chapters, uh, education, job, get married, retire, enjoy downtime. It rarely works that way, and you and I both know this, but life is more elastic. People in their 60s and 70s start new careers and new relationships all the time. And young people can achieve a life of balance way before the age of 65. Don't wait for retirement to live the life you want. Tomorrow is never guaranteed. And we see this in popular fiction all the time. We hear it mentioned. Right. You know, people always say, you know, don't count on tomorrow. 
let go of the pressure to figure everything out. At 62, I started a business I would have never imagined in my 20s or 30s. I have one little hitch with this. What's that? Well, at 62, he started a business he would never have imagined. That's because in his early 50s, he had a near-fatal death experience, which sidelined him for many years until he grew bored and restless. And he had an idea of what he wanted to do. I don't know that everybody has an idea of what they want to do as their third, fourth, or fifth chapter, right? I mean, I applaud this, and I think you should always be looking to be mentally engaged in doing what you want to do. But it always, it, in, in line with this life follows linear path, it doesn't always work out this way either. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, so if you decided, you know, say you would retire at 65 or 70 or whatever, um, do you plan on starting another career? In the traditional sense of what you and I were taught? No, I, yeah. you know, like, hey, well, say at 65, I decide I want to be a neurosurgeon. That ain't happening. Right. Because that's years of medical school, then residency, and by the time that career takes off, guess what? I'm in my 70s or something, so I don't know about that. But I guess but. you could say you want to take up, maybe you've always wanted to paint, or, right, I, I guess, I don't, but is that a career? Yeah, it's a hobby. hobby. That's a, ho- a vocation or a hobby, yeah. yeah. So myth number two is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm. As children, we are so curious, but I found that in my generation, the older we get, the more we stop asking questions. Let's be reminded the brain is a muscle that needs exercise, and learning helps us feel more engaged. Um, Dive deep into things that you're interested in. For example, I love learning about how minds, personalities, and identities work. And um, so this was what interested him. Or he said you could pursue a hobby where there's always room for development, like gardening or starting a charity. I thought this was interesting. My neighbor across the street is 84, and she is very laser-focused on this. She said she watched her parents retire. And just kind of sit there, watch yep. TV, vegetate, and they, and they read. She, she said, "But so she went at seventy-two, went and got her PhD at Georgetown. Um, she is members of three books. She does more than all of us combined. Members of three book clubs. She's a movie club. She's writing her memoirs for her grandchildren. I mean, she's always doing something and is always on the go. And um, I look at her. I'm thinking, wow, she's really, you know, certainly. And she goes to Chautauqua every year." for the, the series up in upstate New York where, where they, uh, they have all that educational programming. Mm-hmm. So um, I, don't, I would like to do that sort of thing, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would hope you don't just sit and veg, right? No, but I run into this a lot. Like I had uh, an afternoon get-together with a friend of mine who, I, who just does a lot. Like he taught himself to paint, play piano, watercolors, written short stories. Right. And I sit there in amazement at the effort and the money and the time that goes into learning all this stuff. And when I bring it up like that, he just kind of looks at me and says, oh, you know, you come out of that school of thinking where everything you do has to make money. Or you have to have have a purpose. You have to have a, exactly. Actually, Tim, that was better said than I said it. It has to have a purpose. But if you use that logic, and I think you're right about that phrasing, the purpose may just be self-enrichment. It may not have to do with bottom line or running the household. But the flip side is we all live in this world and you want a roof over your head and food on the table. And depending on where you live, in a lot of places, that's still a very expensive endeavor. <laughs> so, Well, you know, certainly, yeah. Yeah. No, that it's, it certainly is. And that's where I think it, you know, if you planned right, um, you know, hopefully you don't have to worry about that. But I think every... Gosh, I think when you look at the numbers of actually how many people they think can survive retirement without some other additional income, 
It's a very small percentage. Right oh, now. every every week there's an article I, I read about like what's what you should have in the bank. The yeah. average, the average, not the mean, median, but the when they discount for the wealthy, most people have maybe forty six to sixty four thousand saved. I look at that number and I'm like, what? <laughs> Where are you living? How are you gonna, you know, like because that strikes me as a number that is, tough. you know, tough to to work yeah. with on top of the benefits you may be receiving or something. So yeah. yeah. All of this, like, and even think about that for a minute. If you're in your 60s, you're collecting Social Security, maybe you want to unretire and get some kind of a job or something. You have to cast that against your resources. How much am I going to spend on this? What am I going to do? You know, yeah. So, so what was myth number three? Myth number three is your 20s and 30s are your best years. Um, and, uh, you know, I think basically- for your, I think for your looks, probably. Well, for, I think for health. <laughs> right, every 25-year-old yeah, is good looking. We just didn't know it. <laughs> Well, it says here, the Roman philosopher Cicero wrote, old age is the crown of life. Watch elders who are active and happy. Ask them what physical, mental, and community activities keep them engaged. You may be surprised to learn that they actually feel ageless on the inside. And it won't be too long before you become an elder. Um, but interestingly, it says, but up to half of the five-year-olds in the U.S. today are expected to live to 100 Half of the five-year-olds today are alive. Right. God, young people can't just decide to expire at sixty-five. They'd be sitting around for almost forty years. Um, you know, this goes to the core of whether you have a long life or a healthy life. And someone's health index is going to be different than their longevity. And the, what I mean behind that is, um, we all know parent people who have parents who have lived into their late 80s and early 90s sometimes they're they're dealing with illnesses that put them right. in a nursing home or they have family care it really and so it's, this is this this one about your 20s and 30s i think you nailed it right off a we look great then but also it's our healthiest years right right the other thing about the um and i'm wondering when it's going to kick in about retirement as, as we saw in france the people were protesting over one year increase mm -hmm. in retirement but if if half the five-year-olds born today are going to live to 100 which is kind of like now you're going to live to 70 or, or 80 yeah. maybe um it's unlikely you're, you'd have saved enough money to last 40 years oh, right so totally. i wonder if retirement will then be well retirement's now going to be 80 instead of when our grandparents were growing up it was 60 or 58 what was 58 was the average lifespan or something i think um so now then if it raises Raises yeah. one really big question. How many of us really want to work <laughs> at seventy that age, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I guess if you're going to live longer and healthier, maybe we'll see. But, uh, you know, 40 is a, Could new you have 50, 50 is a new 40. Or so, I don't know. Could you have survived corporate America no. for another 20 years? No. No. Yeah. And, you know, some, no. I, that's a much <laughs> bigger story. discussion. And story, you had yeah. to change. Yeah. Yeah. And the fourth myth is there's no point in thinking about death. This was interesting. So they said keeping death at the top of mind might sound strange, but until the age of 52, I thought it was immortal. This, again, is the, uh, the yeah. author of the piece. My oncologist told me I had six months to live. The diagnosis was thankfully wrong, but a wake-up call. So they talked about um, that it's important for you to um, keep, keep in mind that uh, you're you are going to die and that you should live each life or you should live each day uh, as fully uh, as you can and not worry about the, the small worries. That, that's kind of a trite, I guess, um, 
um, cliche to a certain extent, right? About you never know if you've got another day. It's not guaranteed. So I, I don't, have you thought, do, do you start thinking about death? Have you thought about death? All the time, yeah. Do you really? Well, I guess there's the intellectual side and then there's the practical one. And me, I am aware that every time I get on my bike and I go on a ride, depending on the route I've chosen, I'm going to be interacting with traffic. I can't guarantee the quality of the driver on the road. Are they going to pass me? Are they going to be, are they going to coal roll me? Like, you know, that where they make the, the smoke come out of the back. I haven't had anything bad happen. Um, I have had accidents on the bike, but it's not with cars. It's like hitting something and falling or whatever, but that's on my mind. Uh, and I wonder sometimes if it's more of like an intellectual conceit, conceit, like, oh, okay, I've thought about it, so it's not going to happen or something. But do you think? And, and you more do... and more and more lately, with our parents aging right. and uh, watching what they're going through, it's like, uh huh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Would you want to know how you're going to die? I remember asking. We had a psychic on one time. I remember we and I. Did asked, you ask her? I had asked her. I said. I said. You seem. I said. Do, do you look at somebody and know, or could you know how they're going to die? And she says yes, but she would never tell them. Mm. and I've wondered myself, you know, will, will it be, could it be a tragic accident as an airplane? I, I've thought of that before. Like, how, how would you die? Or do you just go to sleep? I don't know if I'd want to know, because if you knew, well, you're going to die in an airplane, right? So you'd never go on an airplane again. Well, um, or I was just reading, um, you know, being a cyclist and loving all things cycling, I read this article that came out of Colorado where a young man who's 17, who was pretty much a, up-and-coming um, road cyclist uh, and, mount, and off-road as well, went on a, a final training ride before a big race was coming up and got hit by a car, and he's dead at 17. I mean, it's like yeah. you, you, and the family's grief is, you know, completely understandable and horrible. And 17. Yeah. I, don't tell me he thought of that. Like, he didn't get on the bike thinking, I, I, this could be it. You know, like, I'm an old man. I think about that. <laughs> but yeah. it could happen any time, right? Yeah. I guess that's the author's point, right? Yeah, and and so he says you should think about it because it's going to happen. And uh, and then at the very end, he says, my best life advice is to have compassion for yourself. Uh, and whatever you do, follow your own North Star. Each person has a different, beautiful, and difficult journey. So keep doing what you love, master your skills, and acknowledge your progress. So I, you know, I... Eh. That's happening. Did you know, at the very end, it's he is the author, the author here of this piece, uh, George Jurgian. Jurgian. Yeah, Jurgian is the author of Dare to Discover Your Purpose, Retire, Refire, Rewire. Emmy Award-winning producer and author of 10 books. Um, So I think that some people are in a position to retire, refire, and rewire, and others barely make it to the finish line or just happy to hang up the whole work thing, right? Yeah. It, it, it's, um, yeah. And him starting a coaching business is great too, but we all know what it takes to start a business. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people seem to hang up their shingle about, or hang out a shingle that they're going to um, be life coaches or something, but you have to have a, a funnel of people that are going to pay you for your advice yep. and, your, and your experience, which... Um, I know a number of people that have done that or have done executive coaching or have gone into executive coaching. And as admirable as it is, though, you've got to, it's like any business, you've got to constantly market and try to find clients. Sure, and sure, and sure. And you've got to get people coming to the door. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how you make your money. So not a, bad, not a bad shop talk, though, because I think that um, these discussions about purpose 
relevancy, what do I want to do? How do I want to stay busy? These are good at any stage of life, but in your sixties in particular, or as you approach that has a little more relevance because it's like, well, if you have 20 or 30 years left, what are you going to do with your time? Right. My, my biggest, um, fear, I guess, is that I remember turning 40 and how quick that went. And if I add, and if I add 20 onto where I am now, um, yeah, kind of in the sunset. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. You know, so yeah. that's when I don't. That's when I don't think about it. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna, gonna yeah, think about something I'm with else, you there. But, you know, as I can't stand up because I got a knee. But other than that, everything. But wonderful. you have a bionic knee. You have one knee bionic, bionic knee now. now. Yeah, we can so. rebuild them. Bum 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 bum. <laughs> I was wondering if I go to the airport now, do I have to? So I got it, this full knee replacement. Does you? Am I going to set off the the alarm? You may thing? have to tell them that you have a, this titanium a, rod, or an implant of some sort. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll figure that out. That there, there's something to look forward to. See, there's a silver lining in everything. You, yes. you have an interaction with the security team. <laughs> sure. So. All right, we're going to wrap it up there, folks. We want to thank you for joining us here on the Focus Group. Um, focusgroupradio.com is the website you need to visit to check out uh, Tim and me and also our partners and sponsors and be on the lookout for uh, TFG Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast. If you are an audio follower, it's probably already in your, already in your feed where you, of course, can see our show here, the Focus Group on video and YouTube and Facebook Live. But again, focusgroupradio.com for all things Focus Group. And in parting, I want to say, don't text and drive, arrive alive. I had this experience the other day. I'm driving along. I see a pickup truck in front of me, drifts right over to the rumble. You know the rumble strip, the thing they put down? (laughs) And it drifts back really quick. And I'm like, when you drive by, guess what's on the steering wheel? The phone. It's not supposed to be like that when you're driving a car. Anyway, please stay safe and we'll see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.